0: Welcome to the Return to the Forgotten Path podcast. Join us on this journey to travel onto a forgotten pathway that leads to rest and restoration. This podcast is a weekly Bible study of this week's Torah portion, known as a Parsha. It is a weekly reading according to the Jewish annual Torah cycle. Every week, we will have a discussion filled with both historical and cultural viewpoints, As it pertains to the return to the forgotten path that is increasingly happening all around the world we will review and share opinions from the weekly torah which is also known as the first five books of the bible or mosaic law we will also add to it readings from the half torah which are the writings of the prophets and the um sorry the tanakh the uh navim and the kidavim so that is the Prophets and the historical books. We also will review some of the Brit HaDashah readings that are associated for this week's Torah portion. For those who ask, what is the forgotten path? This is what it is. Jeremiah 616 says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Our podcast seeks to point our listeners to that ancient old path through the study of the Bible from the perspective of the Torah, which is properly translated as instructions. My name is Laverne Cox, and with me again studying this week's Torah portion is my husband, Mr. R.J. Cox.
1: Hello again.
0: We are your host for the... The Return to the Path podcast. And today we will be studying this Torah portion called Vayetse.
1: Vayetse, the seventh reading in the Torah cycle, means, and he went out. The scriptures come from, in the Torah portion, Genesis chapter 28, verse 10 through chapter 32, verse 3 for the Haftarah, Hosea chapter 12, verse 12, through chapter 14, verse 10, and from the gospel or the B'rit Kharasha, the book of John, chapter one, verses 41 through 51. For a quick summary of what we're about to dive into. The title comes from the first verse of the reading, which says, and Jacob went out from Beersheba, this portion tells the story of Jacob's flight from his brother Esau, his vision at Bethel, the story of his employment with his uncle Laban and the marriage to two sisters, Rachel and Leah. Jacob's double marriage results in many things, one of which being a baby bearing contest that ends up with him having 11 sons. At the end of this portion, we see where Jacob leaves Laban. And Yaakov returns to the land of Canaan, but not before Levan tries to stop him and we conclude as they work that out. The blessing before the Torah study? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who commanded us to engross ourselves in the word of the Torah and to study. Amen. Amen. All right, so the question... Gets asked of me every single week, what is it that I took away from this Torah portion? And I'm always looking for something that I can put to work in these different hats that I'm wearing as a child of God, as a husband, as a father, and everything else that gets done on a daily basis. And one thing that sticks out with me is the way that people react when adverse situations come up. So we look at Jacob at the beginning of this thing and Yaakov, the Hebrew name uh, that's translated Jacob, leaving Beersheba, goes towards Haran, and as he's resting that night, he sees this dream that has been told numerous times in your church stories um, as the Jacob's Ladder um, vision where you've got angels ascending and descending, and I'm certain Laverne's going to dive a little bit more into that. But I find it very interesting that as he's at this low point and this vision is given to him, he doubles down on his commitment to serving the Most High. He still is a little amazed by it all, but he does make a vow at the end of it all and says, if... God be with me and keeps me in this way that I'm going. Gives me bread to eat, clothing to put on, so I can go back to my father's house in peace. Because remember, he left because he had this big beef with his brother Esau. And he had to get out of time before Esau killed him. He says, well, then the Lord shall be my God. And so if you do all of this, this stone will be a pillar. This will become your house. And all that you give me, I'll surely give a tenth. So now that he's comforted and he's assured that, okay, God's got his back and he's going to be walking on this new walk. He goes, keeps going on his journey, gets to um, Haran and back to the same family compound. Levon is where Eliezer went to go find a wife for Isaac. Jacob goes back to the same place to find a wife for himself. He meets Rachel there. And as you can see from everything else that goes on, it becomes to me, the crux of this entire portion is the relationship between Jacob, Raquel, Leah, Levon, and all of the family drama that ensues as he works for what ends up being 20 years for the two wives and the sheep that he is supposed to be his going away package, his inheritance, if you will, for all this time that he spent, his payment. Mm -hmm. So, looking at how all those situations were handled and all the steps along the way, to me, that was a big key on some things not to do, some things that were right in line with what I would hope to do in similar situations if I were presented with those challenges and lessons to understand how we can strengthen ourselves in those moments of weakness or indecision and confidently say, this is what we shall do and why. So at this point, um, we are going to start the conversation.
0: Okay. So from reading the Torah portion, and I thank you for that overview, RJ, there is a, a question that, um obviously, comes to mind because in this torah portion we have two dreams. The first dream is the the most notable, which is as you mentioned, the Jacob dream of the ladder, um which we now call jacob's ladder um although it 's not necessarily descending and ascending upon Jacob, which is interesting as well, but it's still referred to as the Jacob's ladder oftentimes, and then there's a secondary dream where at the end of the Torah portion this week, um, we see Jacob is being instructed um, in regards to how to obtain the, the, the work of his hands then, or to obtain the wages that he should have received. Um, and it is told where it says uh, in verse, I think it's chapter 31, verse 11, then the angel of God said to me in a dream, and Jacob, he calls him Jacob, and he says, Hineni, or here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see. And he says, all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted and mottled, for I have seen that all that Laban is doing to you, or Laban in English, I am the god of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. And then Rachel and Leah answered, and said to him is there any portion or inheritance left us in our father's house are we were not not regarded by him as foreigners for he has sold us and he has indeed devoured our money all the wealth that god has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children now then whatever god has said to you do and so there's two dreams here and oftentimes it's not necessarily seen as um, having any connection. Do you see any connection between the two dreams?
1: I didn't see any connection until you just mentioned it, and besides the fact that they're in the same Torah portion, I don't see how the two of them bridge towards some resolution, so I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on the matter.
0: Well, okay, so um, let's go back a, a, a step or two. One of the things that um, that happened during the life of um, Jacob is that we see that Jacob was, going back to the prior Torah portion, he's a man that dwelt in tents. He was favored by his mother. Um, when he's commanded to go, he's actually commanded to go first by his mother. Um, she declares a word um, that, lest I be bereaved of both of you on one day, uh, go to my, my, my father's house, go to Lagan's house, and find yourself a wife there. And then when... um, And she does this as a result of what she had overheard uh, Issa plot, which was to kill his brother as a result of the stolen blessing. And remember, this was really due to... The stolen blessing episode was really due to him, A, listening to what his mother had instructed him to do. And we, we see that he also gets this secondary command to leave also from his father Isaac. And when Isaac um tells him to leave, he blesses him with fruitfulness. Now, at this up to this point, um Jacob has not been married. He has no children. Um but it's interesting if you remember when Re- Rebekah was chosen for um Isaac before Rebecca leaves her father's house, Rebecca is blessed by her people with a blessing to be fruitful and to be, become a, a, a mighty people. And so, the blessing that Isaac speaks over Jacob, um, excuse me, yeah, Jacob before he leaves is also the similar blessing, very similar um, to what Rebecca receives or had received before, prior to leaving her father's household. So Isaac sends him off to specifically, again, go to Lavin's house, find your wife. Um, there is a connection here where the sages say that there was a, the reason that both parents had some agreement on where he should go to find the wife was because it was declared to Isaac from the beginning as to where the wife for Yaakov or Jacob was going to come from. Um, it was part of the, the, the telling is that even as far back as the Binding of Isaac, which was like, what, two or three Torah portions ago? And definitely now at least 80 plus years after that episode, or at least lot more, um, we see that this is now coming to pass and now that both parents are fulfilling, um, you could say the prophecy or the plan to direct him where he should now find his wife, so at least in this they are in both in agreement, and it seems that the as you he leaves out of the house, and I think that that's what I think is interesting. It says, now Jacob left um Beersheba, which is his father's house, and he went towards Haran, um, and that is the name Vayetze or Vayetzi. I don't know how to necessarily always pronounce it based on um where people come from. Um, but let's say, for example, it, it is also referred to in some translation as he departed. And it's that leaving of his father's house is seen as a transition point. And it's a transition point that we, too, as believers and the house of Israel are experiencing both historically and um, spiritually in our walk. So I want to start first with that perspective with the father's house, leaving the father's house and going out because um, he leaves to find his wife. He leaves to find, um, you can say, what was promised to him. And he finds it. He leaves without, with you know, the, the things that his father's, his father's father obtained his wife in a different way. Then, In other words, Isaac re- obtained Rebecca with somebody else going out. And this Difference between this particular patriarch he goes out to find the wife um, and I think that's interesting because he does not go out of his father's house with the wealth, he doesn't go out of his father's house with the inheritance he, he has the blessing, he has the birthright and he has directions to go why doesn't he go with the stuff it just was peculiar to me why he did it. he was sent out by both parents but not with the stuff but that's interesting because I think if you look in the uh, Brit Shah, when Yeshua sends the disciples out, he sends them, don't take, you know, shoe latchet, don't take, you know, your purse, you know, but, you know, go two by two. And you're going to go and you're going to bless certain house, the houses that receive you. And then You're going to shake off even the very dust for the houses that don't receive you. So there's spiritual significance to even why this particular patriarch was sent out and that he was sent to a specific place to obtain a specific thing and without the same equipment or the same stuff, the things that would have been, I would think, the norm when you're sending your child out. Anyway, so one person said that he was sent up due to haste. Um, and That's the reason why he didn't have the stuff, but that makes no sense. If you're being sent to your, you know, your father's family, you could always send a servant. <laughs> you know, you can send a servant. You can send, you know, some stuff to make light the journey. You know, but still, again, let's say it was due to haste. Um, but now he's on this journey. And it says in verse 11, the second verse in our Torah portion, and he comes to a certain place. And that's where I think the connection between the two dreams are going to really materialize. All
1: right. Okay. So what did you see?
0: So the word there in um, Hebrew is mechom. And I actually had the pleasure, and I'm, I'm still, you know, trepidatious when it comes to reading Hebrew because I'm not necessarily Fluid, In my reading, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still learning very much how to sound out um, the aleph bed and put the sounds together and always to even read the nicodotes or the vowel sounds, vowel markers. So sometimes when I'm reading, sometimes I'm, 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 I am applaud myself because I've gotten to a place where I can sound it out exactly as it ought to be said, and sometimes I'm, I'm still treading water and looking for, you know, uh, additional, what do you call it? Tools to make sure that I'm saying this as I ought, but it was very interesting in this particular Torah portion. I did have the opportunity to use blue letter Bible again, which is a, a Bible resource, uh, online. And I do have it on my phone. And I also utilize Sefaria, which is a Jewish commentary for the, you know weekly Torah portions it has the Tanakh it has you know etc and both helped me with this pronunciation and I was you know I actually read it originally correctly this certain place though that is referenced here is interesting because that certain place came up at, at before this is not the first time that we see the word and it says that this certain place is referenced during the biting of Isaac going back again there's always a connection to these things like it was this certain place is oftentimes referenced. Why is there no name? Um, and then in the commentaries, it says that this certain place is none other than the mount um, where the temple is going to be built. And the name that uh, Jacob gives here for it is Bethel. This is none other after the the dream of the ladder. He says this is none other than the house of God interestingly foreshadowing that there is going to be a temple built on this location later on. Um, And it's interesting to me to find that these correlations where this certain place is not one that he would not have known, but the Torah is vague on. And I, I sometimes wonder why in the instructions or the reading, God covers a thing or, you know, it's out in plain sight, but he hides it by the renaming of it, or he doesn't just declare it outrightly, like, I need you to know that this is the same place, you know? Why couldn't he have said, because you'll you see going down further where something is referenced twice by both names in one sentence, um, but in in where he wants you to kind of do your, your due diligence in your study, he'll refer to it by multiple names, and hope, by virtue of your study and your diligence, um, that you would see the connection. So now I, I see it's a certain place. This certain place has connections to foreshadowing back to um, even th- this same certain place is also mentioned with Abraham. I didn't mention that before. When Abraham um, built an altar, the first one of the first times he built an altar, it's also in this same certain place. When Isaac is going to be bound. It says and they 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 traveled to a to a, a place, to a certain place. It's just very interesting that again, why does it constantly refer to us as a the the place or the certain place and not by any specific name. And then for each one of the patriarchs it's it's name Ming is based on their experience. But so it's a house of God here for um for uh, Jacob and the significance of the latter, I, I think there's so many teachings on this. I don't necessarily want to spend as much time because that wasn't where my connection came from this week. Of course, there is a teaching that says that um, the the latter, of course, is Messiah. Um, he connects heaven and earth. Um, I've also been so favored to have some great teachers that explain that there was a unique difference between the way that the words of the dream says that the angels ascended and descended, whereas you would think it, they would say the angels descended and ascended. That, that is significant. Um, and it's significant because what is the, the said in Genesis 28 is that the ladder was set up on earth. Uh if the if the ladder if it was angels descending from heaven then the ladder would have been connected to heaven. Um whereas it just says that at the top of it it reached into heaven, at the top of it stood um Adonai, but it was set up, the ladder was set on earth. So the reason that it's ascending and descending is of significance because what the angels and the melakim, which is the Hebrew word there is referring to, is messengers of a different sort. It's a messenger where you and I are often also considered messengers of the Most High. It's messengers not only of the angelic heavenly being kind, but messengers where just as the New Testament says, and there's a cloud of witnesses um, and you can find that in I'm gonna find this exact uh, reference in the Bible, but the, this cloud of witnesses is supporting um our testimony. This is also the type of messengers that's on this ladder, and that's found in Hebrews chapter twelve verse one to two, and wherefore seeing we also are in are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. So let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Um, looking on to Yeshua, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we have this ladder, which is Yeshua, and we have these cloud of witnesses, which are these messengers that have either ascended unto the Lord and, or have descended down um with a, a witness a testimony of truth that we are living by. Think about this entire Torah portion as part of that testimony. You know, J- it doesn't say that Jacob wrote these things down. It it is a uh it is believed that all of this was written by Moses. But what about the the, the oral tradition that carried this to Moses? You know, what about the historical books like the Book of Jasher that records um, what these patriarchs were doing in their lifetime and then could carry that story to another generation? So these are also witnesses as well or or records that are helping to testify uh, of a certain state. So uh, there's reasons that I bring this all up, because I think when we are looking from a spiritual standpoint, what's the point of reading the Torah portion every single year. What am I getting out of this? When I read the same exact story, I think that what you get out of it that is what, you're, what you put into it. And if you want to put something more into it, so we're going to, every year, I'm going to go a little bit deeper and see where this connection of the revelation of who God is and what he desires for me can be found in the life of that messenger, that he sent before me so in this particular teaching we're looking at ja- yaakov or jacob and we're seeing that in the the testimony and the instructions of his journey with god we're seeing that there is a connection to the the most high being the connection between heaven and earth the the most high being not only the latter but the one that's seeking to from on heaven give witnesses and a word of affirmation or uh, support to those on earth. And so I, I look on it and I, I do what Yaakov now does when I see that connection, because when he wakes up from his sleep, what he says is surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. And when you have those moments in our life where you now have that revelation, that, oh my goodness, that that's to that extent, God prepared this thing for me to experience before I even knew him, before I desired to know him, before I was even seeking him, he placed this nugget in, so that in this time frame, when I was ready for this thing, that would be revealed to me. And he packaged it in such a way that he would send messengers, he would send teachers, that he would send all these believers, he would send parents, he would send loved ones, he would send friends to assist me in getting to this point so that I can now un- understand what this is, I, I find that I too agree with, you know, Jacob in this Torah portion that, oh my God, what a beautiful and awesome place this is. And it, it's not always a, the physical place. It's the fact that you are found by God and he wants to know you so intimately that he provides and he has provided all these things long before you even knew. So that is an uncovering of where I am right now in my journey because I see the cloud of witnesses. I see the support of my faith really coming not necessarily from me, but it's coming from God, but he's also provided it through the patriarchs. He's provided it through the word of God. He's provided it through the teachings. He's provided it through the pastors. He's provided it through the prayers. He's provided... And, and I I liken that unto an awesome place to find any for anyone to find themselves in. In other words, every provision, every need has been met before you even needed it. And now my eyes are aware. I'm open to it. And so, so when he takes the um, the next step of the dream, just so that we can get to the what's the connection between the two? When you see that um, Adam Night comes uh, calls. Uh, Jacob by name and he says to and Jacob hears Adonai and um, he declares to him by name who he is and he says to him I've seen what Laban has been doing again of the awesome place not only has God already prepared all of these witnesses when the moment for the answer is necessary he appears and he provides you with I already knew I knew that he was going to do this and I have or I've, I've seen his actions here's how you're going to handle it here's what's going to be your response so before you you ever even thought about what to do in this situation there was a set time and a season and he's prepared an an exit point for it there was a purpose for you to be here there was a purpose for this look look now I've fulfilled the purpose for you having gone through this let me now open up a door so that you can exit this trial that you've been in, and so that's the two connections I saw between the dreams um there there is obviously other spiritual connections there's some that have um and I'll definitely share again there's again a oh, cloud of witnesses there's teachers um in multiple levels here there's the 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 spiritual significance of the the bride of Messiah um, being likened to um, Rachel, for example, where, you know, the Lord is seeking his bride and he shows himself mighty on behalf of Rachel. He He labors for uh, Raquel or Rachel. Um, he labors years to obtain her. So too has the, the mighty one of Israel labored for us. Um, he not only has given us words, but he also became flesh, dwelt among us, gave his life. So those are this, the imagery that we can pull from even the teachings that we are reading every single week. But I really wanted to kind of hone in on this one particular thing because, yes, I do see how the connections What you were talking about the, the, the children, the Nora children, there's a race for children um, between the two uh, wives. How Levon um, becomes a trickster to trick the trickster J- Jacob. I see how, you know... There's a connection um, from heaven and earth to um, kind of direct Jacob on his way. But my question is, do we oftentimes see ourselves in the journey? And in his journey, where are you right now? What part of Jacob's journey or the journey of Messiah To you are you in are you in the unaware I was unaware that you were with me all this time that you had observed all these things or are you at this place where you now have come into some understanding that he designed and desires good for you and you're ready to say here am I you know where are you on the journey that's my question for most of us today and there's more to uh the study uh, there's a lot more to the study but i just desire that you know collectively we would find that on our individual um growth pl- plan what are you walking out what questions are you asking and there was um final this is my final say, statement on this particular thing because i did find that this particular torah portion although it's very important It really reminded me about ensuring that when you are walking with God and Adonai, that you remember that your journey and the way that he, what he's commanded you to do is very specific and he is not, um, he's not man that will lie. Um, And so just like I think with Yaakov or Jacob, he has had so many instances where God has shown himself to not be like the people in his surroundings or he even though he knows God is not like that he still questions and I find that God is patient with us in our frailty he's patient with us and he meets us at a level where we can grow he meets us at a a way that he can speak to us and communicate so that we can move from level to level and his patience is long-suffering and it's And it's so abundant and charitable and merciful that it is profound. And that's why I too say that when he met him at that ladder, what he said and declared over that place is that it's awesome because it is awesome. When you really see what this means, it is an awe. It's awesome. It's just really, there's no other word for it um, to the extent that he's willing to, to deliver, to save, to love. All of us, individually, respective, irrespective of who we are, uh, and I desire and I pray that everyone of us finds that with him as well.
1: All right. Well, definitely takes a totally different turn than what I looked at and saw and took out of this portion. So, I. Looked at it from the perspective of assignment and everything having a set season. So touching on everything you were talking about with Laban, Jacob, the two wives, all of the children, I saw the symbolism in the days. He labored seven years for Rachel. Those who understand the spiritual significance of certain numbers, seven is the number of completion. When he found out that he ended up with Leah, not Rachel. Laban said, "Hey, you've got to fulfill the week, seven days. Then I can give you Rachel, and you'll serve another seven years." So everything, every assignment's got its own set season of completion. And then when you go to Genesis twenty-nine thirty-one to touch on the next segment of this completion conversation. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened up her womb. Rachel was barren. So there was a season for Leah to have children and a purpose as to why. And when you look at what she said as she was naming each child, you can see the transgression in her life as she was going through this assignment. First son named Reuben. The Lord has surely looked at my affliction. Now my husband's love me. Bore another son. Named Simeon, because the Lord has heard that I'm unloved. He's given me this son also. Third son, now my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. That was Levi. Now when it comes to the fourth son, what she says is, now I will praise the Lord. She named that child Judah. She stopped bearing. That segment of the assignment ended. She had, in my opinion, to get past the hurt and the pain of being the... Unloved wife. You can read a lot more into it, but just sticking strictly to what was written in the verses, Jacob loved Rachel much more than he did Leah. He she was the one that he was working for all this time. Anyway, she was a part of the what what do they call it in the game show was a consolation prize. Um, but she wasn't the object of his desire. But as she worked through the I really want my husband to love me. Hopefully, he'll pay attention to me. Hopefully, this unloved thing will turn out. She got to the point where she says, I'm going to praise the Lord anyway. And then, the assignment ended. So, for me, those are one of those big things that I took away because it helps me to understand seasons that you are in life, similar to what Laverne was saying about you got to know where you are in this journey and How to respond as life continues to show itself up in life, but you also got to understand how do I respond? What do I say? What do I do? What do I need to work on to get me through this situation, this storm, to get to the other side of, like Laverne said, that place of purpose where you realize, oh my goodness, this is where... I'm supposed to be in all the wonderful stuff that comes along with this revelation you've got to work your way through the challenges to get to that awesome place
0: mm-hmm. and you know you mentioned the the names of the sons and kind of going back to the study again, so what I want to uh, reiterate is that the the Torah studies every week is really for our instructions, so yes, we're talking about. Jacob. Um, we're talking about R- Raquel, Leah we're talking about Levan, Um, we're talking about Esau we talked about Isaac, we talked about R- Rebecca, I want you to not see yourself solely I, from the perspective of those patriarchs but to see God and God's plan of salvation because according to multiple scriptures in the Bible that he is the author and finisher of our faith, absolutely true, but he's also our savior. The creator of the world designed this entire story, this entire life, this entire teaching to point us to true salvation. And salvation was not just a when, when we all get to heaven um, moment. It's really about the journey that we are all individually on is his plan of salvation. So in, even in the naming of the children, the Lord takes what was the travail of Leah, what was the experience of um, the two handmaidens, uh, Bilhah and Zilpah, and what was the, the pain that was experienced by Raquel. And he has a, uh, a testimony from it that this still points again back to him as the latter. And so in Assembly of Called Out Believers, they were so kind to take the same names that RJ was um, sharing with us earlier and they put it all together. And this is what it reads. Um, Reuven, behold a son. Shimon, one who hears. Levi, my heart. Yehuda, give thanks to Yah. Dan, he judges. Naphtali, my struggle. Gad, good fortune. Asher, blessings. Yissachar, reward. Zebulun, honor, Yosef, add to my family, and Benjamin, son of my right hand. When you read the names, it, again, it glorifies the king and his true plan because it is Behold, a son, one who hears my heart, give thanks to Yah. He judges my struggle, good fortune, blessings, reward, and honor are added to my family it was through the son of my right hand. And so you are. You're you can see that every aspect of this who is the Messiah, who is the Redeemer, who is the Savior, is literally being played out on this journey. The set timing for what you're going through is purposeful. The the hurt that you feel is known and it God is using it towards his good. And sometimes that's one of the challenges for us with our limited sight that we can't see that this is declaring his mighty acts in us. We can't see that this is declaring who he is and inscribing his, his great name on our journey. We can't see it because we are looking from a paradigm which is limited based on time. But by faith, I want you to grab hold that it is purposeful. And just as we now can see that the the lifespan of the patriarchs is pointing to the Messiah, so too may your life point to the savior of the whole world. May it be a light that points others to Messiah and helps them on their journey because each struggle and each weight and each pain is real. It's real. And it God knows how real the, the struggle is for each of us. And he says, if you would allow him, he would take that struggle and make it a testimony. He would allow it to be made a glorious witness for somebody else. And I pray that you know, in your journey that you would not lose hope and that you would not lose faith, but grab hold to the promise that he's already declared for you. Because the promise that held uh Yaakov to go to Lavon's house was the the promise up at that ladder, the promise in that dream. And then when he gets to Lavon's house and he it's time for him to leave he gets another promise. He gets another uncovering and understanding or witness of what the new, what the, what the leaving is going to be about. When, when I leave here, what this, what is it I'm supposed to expect? And we're going to find that as he continues to journey, he's going to find a different version of the I am that I am manifest in him and for him and on behalf of him as he's going into back into the land of Canaan. But it is what I'm saying Again. I'm reiterating this. It is for His will to be made manifest, and in that, so too are our purposes made known. So, give God the opportunity by allowing Him to be your counsel, allowing His Word to be your your a friend and a help, and to be light to you to make the journey that you're currently experiencing. And the Lord knows. How many tears you've cried, how many frustrating nights you've had. He knows it all and he knows it intimately. He wants to utilize that struggle if you would so turn it over to him for the glory that is yet to be apparent. And it is a, a, an awesome thing when you finally do obtain from him the glorious outcome. So I pray that that be, again, your your testimony from any struggle that you're having at this moment in your life. RJ, do you want to add anything
1: else? <clears throat> Just going back to the same thing I was talking about with the experiences that we have and the assignments, as it gets to those moments where you feel a transition happening, Genesis 30, going back again to verse 27. Or even 26, where Jacob says, hey, man, send me away. Let me go to my own place, to my country. Let me get back to where I need to be with my wives, my children, and everything. I've done my part. And now you've got the world saying, stay. If I found favor in your eyes, I've learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Name your wages and I'll give it. Now, people have realized, maybe not so much in the beginning, maybe not them, maybe not you, but now you've gotten to this quote-unquote finish line, and people are realizing like, hey, wait a minute, all this good has come about because you've been here. And maybe they weren't willing to pay you, quote-unquote, what you're worth, because you've been happy settling for less than. But now, when you're saying, I need to leave, it's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. All this good has been happening because you've been here. Give me give me your price. I'll give it to you. Don't go because you're going to take all the good with you. Jacob negotiates it, says, "Don't give me anything. This is all I need and that'll be my wages." And he says an interesting thing in verse 33, "So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come when the subject of my wages comes before you." And then it says if anything that's outside of what I'm asking for shows up in my hand, you can kind of stole it. That wasn't how this, story, this portion started. Jacob wasn't thinking of himself as righteous, wasn't thinking of the Lord as his God. 20 years into this saga, the wives, the children, the sheep, and everything that went along with it, like Laverne was mentioning, you find yourself in this place now where you recognize who's been carrying you all the time, what's been happening all along, And you stand on a different set of principles and you stand with a different set of values than you did going into this situation. And so it's important, mindful, appropriate, and even okay to recognize that we're all in different parts of this journey and this walk. And where you are today may not be the quote unquote finish line. Or maybe you are at a situation where you're looking at something saying it's time to go. And the Lord's leading you somewhere and you're still feeling this tug pulling you back because people are realizing that if you leave, the blessing of God leaves with you and they weren't willing to submit to the Lord your God and they were unwilling to change their life, but they're very happy that you did and you have because they have benefited mightily through your presence. And in those situations, remember who's brought you this mighty long way and who continues to keep you
0: absolutely um i i want to say this too that when you are being used by god i want you to remember that it is an offense to the world you know these are spiritual things the bible says spiritual things are spiritually discerned and i want us to be aware that when you are um walking with the master of the house they there may be those who are are going to feel that this is a contrary and conflicting um, witness for them because they are not walking in light. They are walking in darkness and your light is an offense to them. Well, I wanna give you um, encouragement and hope because uh, so too has our patriarchs also experienced this similarity where not only have you been a blessing and a help and an aid to the world, and or to people in darkness, but then they see you as a threat. That is common. And I want you to know that the the Adonai, um, sends Yeshua and he gave a word that says that, um, when, you know, take, take, um, I think the right word is the word, the word again from, um, Matthew, he says, if the master of the house is, um, not regarded or is not you know if he was considered to be the um of the house of Beelzebub if he was considered and all he did was heal and he he brought help and he restored what what more should the servant of the house of that master expect more or less he says you know take hope take take charge take encouragement because what they're recognizing is not you they're recognizing the master that's over you and so in the life of Jacob we see that um, this also happens when Jacob now has received the word that it's time for him to leave. And we, we noticed that the, um, episode of the relationship between him and Laban changes or Laban changes. And it says in Genesis 31, two, and Jacob beheld that the countenance of, of Laban and that it had turned away from him as it was before. Whereas he was favoring you while you were, you were in my house and growing my stuff and I was able to basically hoodwink you the whole entire time that you were here and change your wages ten times, as Jacob states. Um, that favored me, and I was fine with it. But as soon as God is saying, I'm going to separate you now, all of a sudden the countenance shifts. And the, the word of the Lord in Jacob's mouth is the same word that he is declaring over you and I. He says that I'm your, I'm your, your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And so Jacob speaks in chapter 31 to his wives and he says to them that um, I see your father's countenance and it's not toward me as before, but the God of my father has um, been with me. And you know that with all my power, I have served your father and your father yet has deceived me and changed my wages 10 times. But God, but God, I'm going to say it again, but God has suffered him not to hurt me. I want you to know that that's the type of God that you serve. He knows the situation that you're in and he has prevented your enemies to triumph over you. He has prevented those who wish to do you harm to have their full way. He has prevented the acts and the plans and the wicked plots to have any power. And so I want you to also recognize that as long as you committed your your purpose to God, he also has committed his purpose plan and his promise to you so in all you're doing take take i think it's the right word i'm forgetting this word um but be encouraged that he has not forgotten you and he will fulfill and complete the work that he has begun in you
1: i think that's solid stop i think that that sums it up beautifully
0: thank you so much guys well, we come to the end of another podcast, and as it is our tradition, um, we are going to ask that you, you know, give us your feedback and support. You can please like, share, and subscribe, and, and create a dialogue with us. Your replies help us to build content, and as well as not only building content, it helps bridge the testimony and the witness that is necessary to help others. In us sharing our light with you, we pray that this has been a blessing. It has uplifted you and has provided some additional, you know, strength to maintain the walk that you've begun with, Messiah. Uh, Our email address, if you wish to contact us, is call, C-A-L-L, 2, the number 2, at return.rest. Call 2 at return.rest. Ah, uh, thanks again, and we'll conclude our episode today with our closing prayer, the Etz Kayim, which is in Hebrew. Uh the translation is the Tree of Life, but we call it internally our prayer to return.
1: R.J. Etz Kayim he la macha zikim ba vetom mekeha eme yushar de rakeha darkei noam ve kol nati shalom. It is a tree of life to those who take hold of it, and those who support it are praiseworthy. Its ways are ways of pleasantness,
0: and all its paths are peace. Bring us back, Lord, to you, and we shall come. Renew our days as of old. Shalom, y'all.